Hope you had a Merry Christmas and are getting ready for a banging new year. I'm Eric G from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Welcome to the Sooner Scooter Show, and I apologize that we're getting this to you so late. Uh, but considering the fact that it was a holiday and we had to get back to work today and get our show cranked up on 97.1, the sports animal, which will be the first word brought to you by Rooster's Bins Grooming Center and the Pat Jones Show. Just some shameless self-promotion there. Um, it didn't give us a big window to record before OU plays Arizona on Thursday night in the Alamo Bowl. So whether you're listening to this on Tuesday night, Wednesday, or Thursday prior to the game, we thank you for riding along with us. And uh, please do us a favor. Uh, give us a five-star rating and write a written review. The five-star rating helps us elevate our content. The written review tells us what kind of content you want. And of course, that five-star rating helps us elevate it to more people and get get this content out to more people. Plus, if you take a screenshot, Pete Mundo will send you a Heartland College Sports koozie. Send it send that screenshot of that five-star rating and that written review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com and Pete will send you that Heartland College Sports koozie. So, obviously we're going to break down the upcoming matchup with Arizona. I'm going to give you a couple of players to watch. Um, getting you caught up in the news that's going on with Oklahoma. A couple of more players have decided to enter the transfer portal. Davis Bevel, who was listed as um, Jackson Arnold's backup. He was listed as Jackson Arnold's backup on the depth chart. And I think you, look, come on, if we're being honest about Davis Bevel, him transferring is not a huge loss for OU. In fact, unless OU was up by 35 to 42 points in the fourth quarter, there wasn't any way he was going to see the field. Same way for general for General Booty. And I think all of us saw enough of Davis Bevel when Dylan Gabriel was hurt last year and Oklahoma got, you know, Oklahoma got absolutely throttled by Texas. So there wasn't really any reason to have Davis Bevel in this game unless Jackson Arnold got hurt or you were up so big that he couldn't kill you the way that he did in the past. So I don't consider that a big loss for OU at all. Um, LV Bunkley Shelton, uh, guy, I, I mean, the main thing I, the main thing I'm going to remember about LV Bunkley Shelton is he was just a player on special teams. And this is his second time, second time to get in the transfer portal, transfer to OU from Arizona state. Now he's in the portal in total, according to one of the opt out trackers that I use that actually tracks guys who are opting out of bowl games and guys who have jumped into the transfer portal. I think OU is up to about 16 guys that have either opted out or gone into the transfer portal. I think total that's 16 guys going into the transfer portal. One of those is Tawi Walker, who has been practicing with OU and is more than welcome back at OU. And who knows, may end up getting a scholarship if he decides to stick around. I don't know that getting in the transfer portal is going to guarantee that anyone will pay for his school. But he is one of those guys that is listed, and maybe if you give him a little bit of playing time and give him some opportunity to do what he did at the beginning of the year, which is truck a few, which is truck a few guys, give him an opportunity inside the red zone and give him a chance to pad some of those stats, then maybe he'll stick around. And and running back is running back's a position you can always use depth in. And with as difficult as it is to maintain depth in college football now. Yeah, if I'm Britt Venables, yeah, I keep this guy around. I keep him around because you can use as much depth at, as possible at every position because, as we said, with 14, 16 guys, whatever it is, in the transfer portal, 
you're losing it left and right. Arizona's got 11. And one of those is a huge loss. It's a kid by the name of Jordan Morgan who plays left tackle. And Arizona's got three options to replace him. Okay, Arizona, look, looking at the options that Arizona has to replace this guy. One, uh, they've got a redshirt sophomore by the name of Joseph Bjorn, Joseph Bjorn, who's actually listed as the starting left tackle. Uh, there's a freshman right guard that they could move over to tackle who's got more experience, or they could move the right tackle over to left guard. Either way, if you're an OU fan, you're looking at your chops and you're thinking that Bothroyd and Downs are going to have a huge game, and they're going to need to. Okay, They're going to need to get pressure on Noan Fafita, which is the freshman quarterback that Arizona's using. This guy's been starting ever since the Stanford game. The guy that they had in his place is in the transfer portal, uh, but Fafita has been starting ever since then, and against Arizona State, he threw for over 500 yards. I watched some of his highlights today. The thing that kind of scares me about this kid is the fact that, one, um, the ball leaves his hand pretty quick. I mean, he, throws a, he throws a nice spiral, and he's very accurate. Has a tendency to hit his receivers in the numbers or on the numbers. And big, and not a huge kid. You think he's, he's 5'11", right-hander, but the ball spins pretty well coming out of his hands. Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily explodes coming out of his hands, uh, but he can get it there quick. He can get it. He can get it to his receivers in a hurry. The other thing that I saw about him that kind of worries me for this game, and he is obviously uh, one of our players to watch here, is the simple fact that he's got some escapability. There was one play where UCLA should have had him down. And he was able to get out of it and go for a big gain. And he can run. The kid The kid has some wheels. He, he looks pretty fast. So you need to, need to get to him early and often, rattle him, get him a little off his game, force him into a situation where he's having to make decisions early, where he doesn't have to hang on to the ball too long. And if he runs, you're going to need someone who can keep, who can keep up with him. It's going to put a little bit of stress on the on the defensive end. It's going to put some stress on the linebackers as well. But I think that OU's physicality certainly is up to the test. And while I like Arizona and they come into this game 9-3, and three, and I think that they'll be a hell of an addition to the Big 12 as long as Jed Fish is there and can keep this momentum going, which, I mean, quite frankly, at Arizona, that's not an easy place to win. Arizona historically just hasn't been all that great in football while I like them, physically, I think OU is a better team than Arizona. And yeah, I'm ex- I'm expecting OU to win this game. I don't really know why, other than the fact that I just assume that the Big 12 overall may have presented OU with enough tests, um, especially against Texas, that they ought to be ready for this game. I mean, come on, who am I fooling? The Pac-12 was a better conference. The Pac-12 was a better conference than the Big 12 this year. But I, li- I like where OU is. And I don't believe that the two and a half points is is something that they couldn't overcome. The thing about this game is, is though you kind of wonder, all right, with all those opt-outs, you, you wonder with these three weeks where, where the practice, just how ready either one of these teams are. And I would imagine for Arizona that this game is more meaningful than it is to Oklahoma because they haven't been bowling since, like, what, 2019? I mean, it's it's been a while since they've had this opportunity. So now they've got a chance to not only win, but they've got a chance to knock off OU, who's leaving for the SEC next year, 
and they're joining the conference that OU's leaving. And you're going to have everybody who is still a Big 12 loyalist rooting for Arizona. Luckily, most of them won't be down at this game. The other thing that I don't know is when it comes to OU fans, I don't know how many are going down. I didn't go down this year. Um, I probably could have, could have gone down to cover for for uh, 97.1, the sports animal, but I, I opted out of it because I was down there a couple of years ago. Cost me a lot of money. It was cool to see uh, Brent Venables, you know, or not Brent Venables. Well, actually, yeah, it was cool to see Brent Venables try and recruit Caleb Williams, and it was uh, cool to see Bob Stoops coach one more game at OU, but it just it was a very anticlimactic feel, and I wonder how many OU fans felt that way and decided against making the trip. I would think that there'd probably be more Arizona fans there than OU fans simply because it's been a while, and now they got a chance to go bowling, and now they've got a chance to give themselves some momentum going into the Big 12, just as OU does into the SEC. Although Brent Venables doesn't necessarily buy that. Okay, Brent Venables isn't buying the fact that OU can build off this off the momentum of this game, and he explained it during his media. I guess it was the media meet and greet section once he stepped off the plane when the team got to San Antonio. Is that a possible possible thing? I mean, I would guess that that's a real thing. You know, we we lost in the last drive of the game against Florida State in our bowl game last year. Uh, finished six and seven, and uh, you know, won ten games this year. So, it, you know, when it's all said and done, whether we, we win or not, we're, uh, our focus is going to be on what's next and Team 130, and uh, it'll be a completely different locker room with, you know, and it'll be a season of its own. So, uh, that's, you know, that's how we'll attack that when that day comes. Everything has its time, though. And without Bryn Venables saying it, I think what he was saying is, is OU is going to be at least somewhat of a different team at the end of spring compared to what they are now because you've already got kids who signed just last week. Kids that signed during National Signing Day, Joshua Isosa out of Edmund Santa Fe for one, who are already on campus and practicing, who are going to have opportunities to, to play and contribute for OU or at least have the opportunity to earn the right to play and contribute for OU after the spring. So, yeah, I mean, it, winning, winning's a good thing. I mean, look, we've seen it work both ways. You know, here, here in Norman, one, you had the Sugar Bowl where OU went and dominated Alabama, the, the, the Trevor Knight game. OU goes out, kicks Alabama's butt, and then the next year they, they struggle. They, they might, Trevor Knight struggles. And Josh Heupel ends up losing his job as offensive coordinator. OU could not build off that momentum in the Sugar Bowl. Last year, they end up losing to Florida State. They finished the year 6-7, and seven, and this year they managed to win 10 games. So I'm not really sure. Like I'm, I'm with Brent Venables. I'm not really sure that these bowl games are necessarily momentum builders. And I think that, as a matter of fact, I know that there is a false sense of reality that gets wrapped up in bowl wins from fans because of all the opt-outs, because players don't tend to look at it the way that they used to. And what I kind of wonder is with these bowl games anymore, are players really built for the quote-unquote fun of a bowl game? 
You know, all the all the organized team activities that these bowl games have, you know, you know, whether it's but whether it's a you know, whether it's a it's a bowling tournament or whether it's, you know, the big dinner or there's some kind of contest that they have. Are players really into that? Obviously, they want the gifts. I mean, anytime you can go and get yourself a, br- a brand new Xbox or a PlayStation, I mean, hell yeah, you're going to take that. But anything else, it just seems like it, it it's something that this younger generation doesn't value as much as generations past did. And guess what? That's cool. Um, we should all be all right with that. The other thing I would I would say to any one of these kids playing in this game is, look, you might want to you might want to win a bowl game because. There's no telling how long bowl games are going to stick around. Once we get into the 12 team playoffs, bowl I mean bowl games already don't matter if you don't make it to the 14 playoff. Now that there's a 12 team playoffs, bowl games really aren't going to matter for a lot of these kids and a lot of these fans. So you will if you haven't already seen attendance dwindle. Ratings will eventually start to suffer. I mean ESPN's plugging in content now, but I can't think that that's going to last once they get the rights to the 12-team playoff and, and once they start broadcasting that, who really is going to want to watch the Alamo Bowl? If your team's not in it, are you watching it while the college while the college football playoffs are going on simultaneously? Or maybe when it's competing against an NFL game, are you going to watch it? So I think that's interesting. You know, Are the kids really in tune with the fun or are they looking at it like Brent and Venables, like the coaches do, where it's a business trip, and here's Brent Venables talking about that as well. Well, you can't practice, you know, 24 hours a day, and uh, you got to get some rest, and you know, we got meeting time, we got practice time, and then there were some opportunities to uh, check out San Antonio and some of the cool things that our players are, are able to do, and so that's a good thing, having proper balance. Uh, but again, you know, we're we're here to compete for a the Alamo Bowl championship and I think that's where our players focus is I think that's where their mind is we've got great leadership you got a team that's heavily invested in the season and uh you know we lost a a few guys but our focus is on the guys that are still in that locker room and that have come down here to give us a chance to uh to to win uh, against Arizona and again this is I think there's been 27 11 plus win seasons in Oklahoma uh history uh, and I think that's the most in college football history. So uh, that's the expectation uh, when you're at a place like Oklahoma, and it's going to take a lot of good things uh, going the right way for the for the Sooners uh, to have a chance at that on, on the 28th. Yes, Brent, OU does in fact have 27 11-plus win seasons, which is the most in college football. They also have 40, 10, or excuse me, 41 seasons. Ah, I shorted them there. 41 seasons of over 10 wins, which is also the most in college football. And everybody wonders why OU fans have such high expectations for when they go to the SEC. It's because of that. And I guarantee you, OU fans, the OU program, are sick of hearing, especially from Oklahoma State fans, that they're going to flounder to nothing but eight and four seasons and become irrelevant, and they're going to become the next Nebraska. That is driving everybody at that program nuts. And hopefully it's driving the check writers nuts so they continue to pump more money into the program. Another guy I want you to keep on the lookout for on Thursday. Um, this guy I'm actually kind of excited to see. It's a five, 
Um, it's another it's another 5'11 kid. It's 5'11, 225-pound Jacob Manu, who is a linebacker out of California. Just a sophomore, but the guy's racked up 108 tackles this year. And hopefully most of the tackles that, that he is getting on, on, um, on Thursday are tackles that are uh, at least coming, you know, a little bit past the second level, delving into the third level. No, this guy's probably going to be all over the field. Uh, he's got a chance to wreak a little little bit of havoc with OU, but hopefully OU's running backs can punish him anytime he comes up to the line, tries to tackle them. You start wearing this kid out. But one of the best linebackers out of California, now in Arizona, he's a kid that I'm looking forward to watching on uh, Thursday, as well as um, Noah, Noah Fafita, the quarterback, and uh, really how that Arizona offensive line plays. Now, as far as OU goes, what do we need to see out of this? Well, for this game, it's very simple. And there's nothing more important than watching the development of Jackson Arnold and how Jackson Arnold handles his first time as a starter for OU. The good, I think, I think one of the best things that, that that Jackson Arnold has going for him in this game is one, it's on a neutral site. Okay, even if there are more Arizona fans there than there are OU fans there. It's technically on a neutral site. It's not a true road game, but it's also not a true home game because either one of those can can knock the adrenaline up to, you know, 10 levels. That being said, you are on national TV and everybody's been waiting for this moment. So don't think that that is not in that kid's head. And it's always a lot easier to come off the bench than it is to start because when you start, you've got all week to think about everything. So how does Jackson Arnold come out, look as a starter, how much command does he have of the offense, how much do the running backs help him out in this game and open things up. And just make sure you get your ball to the playmakers. You know, you ought to be fine. So, I mean, we're expecting big things out of Jackson Arnold. I think he's expecting big things from himself. So how does he handle the moment? The other thing I think we're looking at, and I don't know how much to read into this, is Seth Luttrell and what kind of game he calls as offensive coordinator. I believe that there's way too much credit that get that gets that the playmakers get in this day and age of not just college football but football period. But how does Seth how does Seth Luttrell handle all this? And I can already tell you how it's going to go. If OU loses, there are going to be people ticked off at him that he didn't do certain things. If OU wins, he's going to get way too much praise as the replacement for Jeff Levy. But that's where it, that's what happens. In in a bowl game, but but those are the biggest those are the biggest things I'm looking for defensively. Can they stop Arizona, who's on this six game winning streak? I mean, yeah, if you can, if you can get to Fafita, you ought to have a good time. You ought to have a, a good chance to win. That being said, he's got a couple of targets. He's got a couple of really good targets to throw to. He's got a big tight end he can throw to, and he's got one of my favorite receivers in college football. If for no other reason alone, it's his name. And that's Montana Lamonius Craig, who was a transfer from Colorado. Okay, I, I, I love for the name alone. For the name alone, you should absolutely, absolutely like that kid. I mean, that name alone. I, I think the name alone is worth at least a touchdown in every game. Montana Lamonius Craig, not a better name in co- not a better name in college football. And no, it didn't come from Key and Peel. No, this, this is an this is an actual name. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you got a quarterback through for 527 yards against Arizona or Arizona State. 
Um, you've got a really good linebacker. This is going to be a tough game, but ultimately I expect OU to come away with a win, uh, cover that two-and-a-half-point spread, uh, you know, and win an hour. How many different times can I tell you? How many different ways can I tell you that, that OU ends up winning this game? And I think they win a close one. I think they win at like 27-24, but ultimately they walk out with a win. Fun fact, you're going to look out on that field. Um, first of all, fun fact, OU and Arizona haven't played since 1989 when Arizona beat Oklahoma 6-3. They are 1-1 one one in this series. So it's the rubber match for OU and, and Arizona. Um, I don't remember the game in, in 1989 because I was a junior in high school and chances are since that game was in Tucson, I was doing something um, a lot less constructive than watching college football then. Chances are I was out chasing girls at that time. Uh, would make absolute sense why I have no recollection of that game whatsoever. Chris Melson was the quarterback for OU, just in case you forgot. If you do remember... I would love to know what your memories were of that 6-3 and three loss. So you can hit me up at Sports Radio APD. Um, and also, you're going to see the words, bear down. You know, that, that's Arizona's slogan, bear down. And if you're wondering where that came from, there is a guy by the name of John Bird Button Salmon. Button being his nickname. But yes, John Bird Salmon, or John Bird Button Salmon, who was Mr. Everything at Arizona. This guy was BMOC. He played football. He played baseball. I think he probably was even president. I think he was probably even president of the student body, knowing how popular the, this kid was. And it's back, this is back in the 20s, in fact. Um, the saying bear down predates, predates win one for the Gipper by two years, according to the Arizona media notes. So Arizona and OU have something in common. Notre Dame both kind of stole stole things from them. I'm going to say Notre Dame stole win one from the Gipper for Bear Down. But anyway, uh, this guy, John Bird Button, Button Salmon, or Salmon, uh, was in a car accident coming back from Phoenix. And the coach, J.F. Pop uh, McHale, would go visit him in the hospital. And he told him one time, he said, go tell, go tell them. Tell the team, I want them to bear down. And unfortunately, uh, he passed away a few short days after that. But that's where that comes from. Bear down. Well more than a century old. Bear bear down, or almost a century old bear down. But now you've got a little history lesson to go along with um, your your analysis and opinions for the upcoming game. But yeah, OU 27, Arizona 24. That's our prediction. We'll talk with you next week as we start to look ahead to the 2024 season. I'm Eric G. May God bless you and your families. The great Jackie Moon always says everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.